Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market. Hey, North Texas food fans. Welcome to Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News. Each week we dish on the local restaurant scene, food and drink trends, cooking and shopping tips, and unpack everything that makes North Texas one of the most vibrant, diverse, and ambitious food scenes in the country. I'm your host, food editor Aaron Bookie, and today we're talking about the food words we love to hate. Plus, we learn a little bit about the art of fermenting with Dallas chef Jessica Alonzo of Native Ferments, Texas. It all gets started right after this. Central Market is really into food, like fish flown in so fresh it still has jet lag into food. Our sourdough starter has been around since grunge was a thing into food. We're talking more prime cuts than a greatest hits album into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then we're the HQ for you. Whether you're a make every recipe in the cookbook foodie or a my favorite recipe is reheat type who just digs the delectable, no place makes every day more delicious like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Welcome back, everyone. Be sure to go to dallasnews.com slash food after this for information on our show and helpful links. We also want to hear about your favorite holiday dishes and cooking hacks, so please share with us at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. Later on, we'll be joined by Chef Jessica Alonzo of Native Ferments, Texas. But right now, I'm joined by food writers Sarah Blaskovich and Claire Baller and our producer Julie Fisk to talk about what's trending. So, Sarah, you recently wrote about a TV show called Taco Chronicles, where a lot of local places were featured. Do you want to talk about that? Yes, I do. This is a show on Netflix that was good even when it wasn't in Texas. It's the third season of Taco Chronicles. This one's called Taco Chronicles colon cross the border because we come over into the U.S. and uh, they spend quite a bit of time in Texas eating tacos. And there's a whole Dallas episode. So there are also other episodes about other places, but there's a whole Dallas episode and we go to four taco shops uh, and we meet four taqueros and they kind of tell their story. And they're four really different stories. So I was like thrilled by that. So we have Revolver Taco in Deep Ellum, which is run by a guy who is very revered for the food that he makes here in town. Um, Then they go over to Jose and they meet Chef AQ, who makes fancy but traditional contemporary Mexican tacos. And just so beautiful. The the screenshots are gorgeous. Then they go to Mascaras in Oak Cliff, where they make quesabiria tacos for the show. But they have a larger menu than that. That's run by a husband and wife, and the whole place is decorated with Lucha Libre stuff, which is very fun to see on camera. And then they go to Zavala's Barbecue, not a taco shop, but he is famous for his brisket tacos. And Joe Zavala at Zavala's explains that when you have a bunch of extra cuts when you're slicing brisket, what do you do with it? And it's perfect for a taco. And he also tells he has a really moving story about his health. He was diagnosed with plasma cell cancer a couple of years ago, and he has a wife and a little kid. And so he talks about how making barbecue is slow and that it makes you slow down your life. And the episode, you know, kind of ends close to that sentiment, which I thought was really beautiful. And for anybody who loves to eat, and if you're listening to this podcast, I think you do, it is a really fun short episode that will make you really proud of North Texas. Good. And where is that available? It's on Netflix. Okay, so here's another topic that we've been talking about offline, and it's the food words we love to hate. I know one of the biggest ones that a lot of people do not like is the word moist. Moist. <laughs> I'm actually not bothered by that one. You're not? I'm not. Oh, I am. I I'm very bothered. <laughs> 
I mean, there there are times when that is honestly just kind of the best descriptor the only, for yeah. something. That's not one of my trigger words, though. Moist always means cake to me. I've yeah, never I understood. <laughs> what is it about moist that's offensive? I actually looked this up, and there is actually like a scientific explanation for why that word bugs people so much. I read in one place that your mouth actually makes the facial expression when you're saying the word that mimics disgust. Huh. The feeling of disgust. There's also the um, the whole like bodily fluids angle to things. Like, <laughs> well, if there's words to describe other bodily functions and food at the same time, and the yeah. food at the same time, like that can be sort of a trigger. Also, for me, outside of the bodily function, could also be like when you're very sweaty and nervous, then you are moist, and so I think that that. I think you like saying it. That's Sarah. no, and I'm not like icked. I can say it. I think some people like won't say it. Right. But then the other moist thing is like the weather. Oh, right. when it is moist outside. So there's a whole thing with Pete Delkis on WFAA where he says the word moist and people are wildly triggered by it. I think in good and bad ways. So like this past week, Pete tweeted, "Happy Thanksgiving." Here's hoping your turkey is moist. <laughs> See, that's appropriate. You right. want a moist turkey. That's also, true. I don't think I've ever used the word moist to describe the weather. It's I don't humid. either. Yeah, humid. I've never used I've... it to describe a bodily function. Either, <laughs> honestly, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, so what are some of your food trigger words? Okay, I wrote down my list. Okay. But I, it's in two categories. So there are food words that give me the ick, mm -hmm. like moist for some people. So for me, those are yummy Sandwich. Oh, I hate even uh, saying these. Same. This is like triggering. <laughs> Nom. Uh huh. Mm -mm. Nosh. Mouthfeel. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Bothers me. And I have to, this is a big confession. Foodie? I, yeah. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> I hate the word foodie. Wait, Claire, these, in addition to being annoying words, are words that annoying people say. Yes. <laughs> That's what they are. It's true. Like, you don't like the person who says yummy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, Yummo. I'm pretty sure I've even heard most all of these words in, like, one sentence together. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly on social media. <laughs> yeah. They're all hashtags. Yeah. Those are my ick words. And then I have ones that I think are usually pretty empty and kind of dumb. Elevated. Hate that word. Over it. I don't know what it means when, when food is elevated. Um, You're just holding it up very high. Right. Is that, yeah, we're talking physically. <laughs> Artisanal. Don't know mm -hmm. what that means. Sinful, when things are described as sinful, I think it's weird, bugs me. Guilt-free, yeah. same thing. It's like, no, food, you don't need to be, we don't need to feel guilty about yeah, it's not what eating. Uh, twist, when things are done with a twist. Unless it's like a literal twist of mm. uh, citrus and a drink, I also don't really know what that means. And then unctuous. Mm -hmm. uh, people use Ooh. it wrong. Also, it doesn't mean what people think it means. It means usually like greasy yeah, or oily. oily or almost soapy. And I see that all the time. People trying to use it to mean, I think, like, rich and decadent sometimes, yeah. and it's not right. That's like an SAT word that, like, a smart kid in high school became a food writer, and they were like, ooh, I got one. <laughs> yeah. How do we spell it? Sarah, you what are yours? Head cheese. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For anyone mm. who just wants to know what this is, um, head cheese is basically jellied meat uh -huh. made from the head of a cow or a pig. So it's accurate. Right. Um, just say it. Head cheese. Head cheese. Yeah. yeah. Well, usually you don't party so much. That was good, Erin. Thanks. I feel like usually it's like head cheese. Right. <laughs> and it's not. It's not that I don't like head cheese. I do. Right. Doesn't it, it makes me think of earwax? 
Ooh. <laughs> That's what I think of. <laughs> another compound word. Yeah. It doesn't say food to me at all. And then another one that I that I dislike, but I also like have a little bit of fun with is fungi. Mm. And that's because some people do like a fungi pronunciation, Ooh. which is wrong to me. I don't know if that's really wrong. When I type it and when I say it, I have like a little party. <laughs> fungi. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. Those are mine. I'm not really triggered by a lot of food words. I think I agree with Claire that some people write food words that are stupid, but moist is pretty icky and head cheese is a little bleh. Yeah. What yeah. about you, Erin? Yeah, I have a whole list also, and a lot of them are the same, like crossover from Claire's, like any yum nom. I do not like succulent. As it relates to food? Right. Or, okay. Or right. a cactus. I actually don't mind succulents when it's like referring to plants. Right. Scrumptious. Mm. Ooh, what about scrummy? Oh, God. <laughs> no. Yeah. That was just painful. <laughs> um, and also finger licking. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Accurate, though. Depending on the thing, it accurate. Is. Mm-hmm. It is. And Julie, what about you? I think you know more words than... <laughs> well, no, that's since I'm not a food writer, I don't really have food words that bother me. I didn't realize that sandwich bothers me until you said it. <laughs> and same with scrumptious... Um, I think umami bugs me a little bit, Mm -hmm. maybe because I don't fully understand what it means, even though it's been explained to me a bunch. Mm -hmm. Aspic bothers me because I don't think that has ever sounded like a tasty thing. It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And isn't. (laughs) Um, Just one word, a general word that has always gotten me is puckered. That's a bad one. Wait, I just found another one. How about jiggly? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's a three-syllable jiggly. Jiggly, you got to get it all the way out. You got to put an A in in there somewhere. Aspic took me to jiggly. Even worse, (laughs) how about a moist jiggly? Aspic. (laughs) That's aspic. Oh, oh, what about juicy? Oh, I love it. Yeah, that doesn't bother me. (laughs) I think of the juicy couture like pants that all the teenagers (laughs) wear. You just have block print on a booty. (laughs) Yeah, that's what you're getting. Yeah. That's yeah, I just, took, I just thought like a bite of a delicious peach in July. Yeah. Juicy. Yeah. You know, my daughters say juicy booty all the time. <laughs> That's all I hear. That would ruin it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems as though clearly we have a lot of thoughts here. I'm curious what other people are triggered by, which words we said that they hate, but also which ones did we forget? Tell us at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. Better yet, send us a voice memo to that email and then we can hear you say the word you hate. <laughs> It'd be delicious for all of us. I love that, Sarah. Okay, and so how on earth do we segue from that to our next topic? (laughs) Which is? Which is weird hot dogs. (laughs) Of course it is. (laughs) And Sarah, you found like a couple of weird hot dogs online the other day, right? Yeah, and I wish Nick Rollo was here because he is the king of the hot dog. But I was laying in bed about to go to sleep and saw a video of a guy who was at Costco. At the end of Costco, you can buy food. And he took the Costco pizza and the Costco hot dog. And he took the hot dog out of the bun, rolled it in a piece of pizza, stuck it back in the bun, and then put Costco relish on top of it (laughs) and took just a big old hot dog bite out of the side. You know, like it's these 30 second videos where you're watching and you're like, okay, maybe. And you're like, I don't think so. And then you're like, what are we doing now? (laughs) I hate this. I hate this. And I like weird food as we know, but I don't, I do not want a hot dog wrapped in pizza back in the bun with relish on top. I don't want that. 
Yeah, I don't really get it. Like, I don't know why. So devil's advocate, if you like cheese or ketchup or chili, any of those things on your hot dog, it's just a really fast way to incorporate all of that. I I feel like I'm most offended by the relish for some reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the wrong turn. I'm offended that he put it back in the bun. Yeah, that makes no sense because <laughs> that makes it like extra mushy. Like I can mm. see maybe rolling up a hot dog in a piece of pizza if you're very high. I mean, if <laughs> if you you know yes. that's your thing, but then like putting it back in the bun. That was the record scratch. And I love the caption on this that says this man is living in 2050. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that made me laugh too because I was like, no, that seems right. Like it's 2022 right here. In yeah, this exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah, right. People are just like, whatever. Well, then you're not going to like this next one. Yeah, Sarah. Oh boy. Wait, I'm, I'm looking over at Sarah's screen and I am horrified <laughs> by what I am seeing. So I'm not advocating for this one either, let me just say. Yeah. As a, as a fan of an occasional hot dog at a baseball game, let's call it, the, neither of these are making sense to me. So the line on Twitter says, quote, couldn't afford a turkey this year, so our family is celebrating with spaghetti dogs, unquote. So I'm open-minded to this, right? I right. don't know if this person like, is okay, kidding. Watch. Maybe this is a nice idea. They take a raw hot dog, stick it with dry spaghetti noodles as if it were acupunctured all the way around. <laughs> Okay, so then they pick it up with tongs and boil it, then put it back in the bun. What is it with the back in the bun here? (laughs) And what you've got is a hot dog with limp nudes all over it. Coming out of it. In the bun. So more carb on carb, like I was upset with last time. And then they simply put spaghetti sauce on top. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, is that mustard? They just put mustard on it. Yep. In parm? Is that parm? parm. Parmesan cheese, maybe some dried herbs. Okay, the worst part about this is that after they boil the hot dog with the the nudes sticking in it, (laughs) and then they pull it out, Mm. and it looks like a very, very hairy hot dog. It's bad. (laughs) Like, it looks like it has long hair. This is obviously a joke. Yeah. But the thing that's scary is that they still took a bite of it for the video. Yeah. Could have eaten the whole thing. We don't even know. One of the people who replied said, this video has impacted my life in a way I don't think anyone could understand. <laughs> yes. And in this moment, I, I like relate to that. Another comment is that it looks like a flagellated bacteria dog. Oh, yes. We, you guys know what that is? Yes. <laughs> I love that. I thought I was going to have to explain it. Okay, I'm not explaining it. For anyone who's listening, you either have to Google it or you have to be smart. Well, there's just something about it that screams wormy. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. very wormy. Yeah. 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 It's very unnecessary as well. It, exactly. Like, you could just make a hot dog and then put spaghetti on it. It's probably been done. You don't have to, like, violate the hot dog <clears throat> in this manner. That's such a perfect word for what's <laughs> happening there. Well, it's very like, violent. There's, like, a, a hot dog. It's, like, a, you know, Japanese street food. They serve right. it at Okari Cafe where you have the ramen noodles on top. And it looks great and it tastes great. But the noodles aren't oozing out of the hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> They're not one with the hot dog. Do any of you put weird stuff on hot dogs? No. I don't think so. I saw an episode of Queer Eye. They crunched up potato chips and put it on the hot dog and Mm. then a sriracha mayo. And I've done that and it's really good. And I pretty much always put sriracha mayo on hot dogs now. I've enjoyed some crunched up Cheetos on a hot Mm -hmm. dog Mm. because I I think Cheetos are a really good snack. (laughs) Yes. And then I've eaten every odd hot dog that the Rangers have put out in the past, call it 10 years, because every season they come out with a new wacky one. Oh, speaking of earlier this year, we wrote about the food at the Houston Rockets versus the Dallas Mavericks. And the Houston Rockets had a $12.50 hot dog smothered in mac and cheese, bacon, and Fruit Loops. Mm. I remember this. Yes. 
I, I just went Googling weird hot dogs. And honestly, that was one of the first stories that came up. <laughs> Sarah You're like, oh, up. Sarah. Yeah, why Fruit Loops? Why not Cheetos? Yeah, yeah or exactly. Potato chips. Okay, so here's another one. Speaking of crunch that I just found on the internet. What about a hot dog in a crunchy taco shell? Mm, nope. Why? I don't know. No, thanks. <laughs> can I... Can I say something about a crunchy taco shell? Yes. I don't like this. I do not like a crunchy taco shell. One bite and the whole damn thing falls apart. Right. And then you're just left with ground beef in your lap. Yeah. You knew before you took the bite that it was all going to fall apart. It doesn't make any sense to me. Or you do the soft tortilla on the outside. Really good idea. Of the crunchy. Yeah, even better. um, At Taco Joint, which is near my house, so we stop there with our kids a fair amount, they do that and they smear the soft taco with a little bit of refried beans and then it hangs on to your crispy taco. So you get your crunch, but you get nothing in your lap. I feel like the crunchy taco shell is like for kids. Like that's what my kid wants to eat because it's basically like chips. And then you eat it like chips. I'm sorry, I have to speak out. I love a crispy taco. (laughs) And I will not take this taco assassination any further okay <laughs> crispy tacos are awesome do you get it all over yourself every time and is it is that just like par for the course no sarah because i eat over a plate what's wrong <laughs> with you then do you fork what's on the plate or do you let it go i actually treat it like a nacho and i uh-huh. eat it with the tortilla chips Ugh, you guys like that it falls apart I do. it's part of it it's part of it i like it it's an extra taco that's why you always have an extra soft taco or tortilla chips so you can eat it up <laughs> all right i don't like it but i'll allow it <laughs> Somehow we got from hot dogs to tacos. That seems like a circle. Deep down, that's what we really want to talk about. I know. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Stick around. We're going to learn all about fermentation next and ways to cut back on food waste. (laughs) (laughs) After what we just did? (laughs) Don't waste your taco shells. (laughs) Or nudes. (laughs) Gosh. Central Market is really into food. Like when we say cheese, it's in 12 languages into food. Butchers, bakers, and sushi roll makers into food. We're talking so obsessive about quality you can shop blindfolded into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then let us turn your shopping list into a treasure map. Get inspired, get adventurous, or just get a chef-made dinner when you've got more taste buds than time. No place makes every meal more amazing like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Welcome back, everyone. Food writer Amanda Albee recently sat down with Dallas chef Jessica Alonzo, who launched her own food business a couple of years ago called Native Ferments Texas. Jessica talked about her best-selling mustards and pickled things and how fermenting is a key to curbing food waste. Plus, she also talks about why she's teaching other women her craft. Here's more from Amanda and Jessica. Seven years ago, Jessica Alonzo left hospital administration to work in some of Dallas's best kitchens. Now she's a full-time fermenter. Last year, she launched her own small business called Native Ferments, where she takes traditional preservation techniques from various cultures and applies them to locally sourced ingredients from Texas farms. Her products include a constantly changing seasonal lineup of complexly flavored pickles and ferments. She started working in kitchens in 2015, beginning at Chef Matt McAllister's Filament and FT33, where she was first introduced to the transformative powers of fermentation. She later stocked the shelves for McAllister's currently open restaurant, Homewood, and also worked as Misty Norris's sous chef at Petra and the Beast. Jessica now focuses on native ferments. Also in August, she launched an online class with the Fermentation School offering a course titled Food Waste Solutions Through Fermentation, a new approach to cooking. So Jessica, do you just kind of want to tell me about the Fermentation School, how you got involved in that, 
Yeah, so I actually had a fangirl moment whenever Meredith Lee reached out to me and asked if I wanted to be a instructor and creator for the fermentation school. For those of you that don't know, the fermentation school is an online school that was co-founded by Kirsten Shockey and Meredith Lee, who are just amazing, talented women um, and just are powerhouses in the fermentation world. They've created this just amazing platform for all women creators in the fermentation and preservation world. Uh, They've just created this huge community, not only in the United States, but internationally. And it's a safe place for all of us creators to bounce ideas off of each other, share knowledge and our our life experiences through food and fermentation. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I'm just really lucky to be a part of it and couldn't really, I was in shock actually (laughs) uh, when Meredith, you know, reached out uh, just because I I have all of Kirsten Shockey's and Meredith Lee's books on my bookshelf. And so Mm -hmm. I was just elated and jumped on the chance to to be a part of um, their community. Mm -hmm. And you said there's like a fermentation world are there like festivals and stuff absolutely there is a festival I think in almost every state uh, I know there's um, some internationally as well I saw that's popping up this year I know mm-hmm. I was part of the fermentation associations their conference that they had in in Chicago this past August let's talk about your course how long did it take you to create it and kind of what would somebody learn and I think you said you have a couple more courses coming up yes so the food waste course for me it took a couple of months one because I wanted the course to be really thought out and I wanted it to be approachable to home cooks because I do feel very strongly about food waste in not only the U.S. but around the world and As a chef, I worked in kitchens where that was a big part of our philosophy. And so one part of my job was to go through the menu and figure out, okay, where are we creating waste? How can this be repurposed? Can I ferment or preserve something and make it into a totally new ingredient or reincorporate it into the current menu? So it's kind of a full cycle. Essentially, in my course, every single vegetable scrap gets reincorporated into another component in that same dish. So there is no waste. Can you give like some examples of ingredients that you see thrown away a lot in restaurant kitchens and then even home kitchens as well? It could be something as simple as the carrot tops. Like if you get carrots at the grocery store, the tops are totally edible. Mm-hmm. Um, I've made pestos with it. I've charred them and made like a charred carrot top vinaigrette. You can also ferment them too. And that's kind of a nice like zesty, sour condiment. That you mm-hmm. can add. I've added to hummus and things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, coffee grounds, you can use those in not only just composting, but I've made koji umami sauces, um, which turns into more of like a Worcestershire type of sauce. Potato skins, if you peel potatoes, mm-hmm. you can dehydrate those and then use them in a soup. Or you can toss them in olive oil, salt, and bake them. And they're like chips. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you need at home? Just like a, a bunch of bell jars? It's been a long time since I've canned or done anything like that. Bald, the company, actually mm-hmm. does have a really great canning guide. Oh, okay. If anybody does want to get into canning, that's always a good okay. starting point. I have that at my house. 
myself. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but as far as like then just fermenting, is there anything that if you're going to do it at home that you have to be careful or watch for? So there is a pretty common yeast that will pop up on your ferments called calm yeast. Okay. And that's pretty normal. It's safe. If it happens, just scrape off the calm yeast and wipe the ring of the container. Um, okay. I like to use alcohol. You okay. don't need to throw out the whole batch, but that's uh-huh. just usually like a thin white layer of yeast that uh-huh. happens. If you don't take that off and keep it on your ferment for the whole time, it will alter the taste, be a little funkier than you're really wanting. What initially turned you on to fermenting, you said it was when you worked with Matt McAllister. Yeah, so that was the first kitchen that I'd worked in that really... Um, I made my first batch of sauerkraut there, did my first actual canning project. Mm -hmm. I just fell in love with the transformation of ingredients. How you start with a head of cabbage and just by shaving it, adding salt and massaging it and having that part of creating this new ingredient and the end product and how the textures change, the colors changed. It's created its own brine. I just found that super fascinating and really glad that chef matt gave me the mm-hmm. foundation for it and then i just kind of ran with it and he gave me the creative freedom as a mm-hmm. line cook to kind of just go down that rabbit hole mm-hmm. there's also yeah. health benefits or is that just like um woo holistic <laughs> stuff no uh, actually i i totally believe that it's good for your gut mm-hmm. you just have to be you know make sure that you don't have any underlying immune system issues okay. Make sure you talk to your doctor before you start okay. ingesting a bunch of fermented foods. And if you're just starting out, I always just suggest start eating like a tablespoon, adding it to like a salad or like or something like that. Incorporate it in your normal diet a couple of times a week. Make sure your body is acclimating and your your stomach and your gut flora is adjusting and mm-hmm. and then start eating it daily mm-hmm. after that. Mm-hmm. What are you making right now for your online store? I checked a couple of weeks ago. I noticed you were sold out of a lot of stuff. So a staple since I started was is the black garlic mustard. So I make my own black garlic, um, ferments yellow and brown mustard seeds, and then that all gets incorporated in local Texas honey, apple cider vinegar, a little bit of salt, just really complex mustard everybody loves it It, I always sell out people would come back and just be like I just ate this straight out of the jar I just put it on bread it's good on anything so that one I think will definitely always be in the shop for sure Mm -hmm. I think people would would riot if uh, I got rid of it Uh Uh, so one thing that I did do new this year is um, I like to have at least two different types of fermented mustards This year, I did a uh, sour pickle beer mustard, the Martin House Brewery out in Fort Worth. They do a best-made pickle beer. Uh, So I I use that in um, this new mustard. Um, So it's a little spicier, but it's got that little sour kind of dilled twang to it. Uh (laughs) Really Um. good on like brats with sauerkraut. Um, you mentioned you use local farms. Is there any you want to shout out? Yeah, um, Damasis Farm out in Boyd, Texas. I've been working with them for years. Uh, Comeback Creek out in Pittsburgh, Texas. Yes. Um, and then I usually um, will go through like farm to table 
um, which is kind of like a hub down in Austin, Texas, and they bring in a bunch of uh, local farmers, mm-hmm. and then they, they'll deliver their stuff up to Dallas. You said you're working on two more classes. Have you told us about those? Um, well, we have a, the fermentation school is going to have a um, holiday promotion, um, so there'll be a discount on creators' courses that are live okay. right now. Um, and then we're also going to launch holiday recipes I've made a butternut squash miso. Actually, I got the butternut squash from Comeback. But I made a miso using all of the parts of the squash, seeds and everything, innards. All of that gets roasted and fermented with koji salt and made in this really aromatic, slightly sweet sort of buttery miso. I'm going to incorporate that into a ginger snap cookie recipe. So I'm going to be R&Ding and and testing that out this weekend, actually, (laughs) for the school. Okay, so then where can we find your products? So right now um, on my website, so nativefermentstx.com, I do ship. Okay, and then what about if we want to book a course or book a private party? So if you want to book a private party, that's also available on um, my website, nativeferments.tx.com, or you can message me on Instagram as nativeferments underscore TX. Okay. Um, With the fermentation school, I suggest going to their Instagram. Okay. Um, They have a link to the school there in their profile, but you can also see kind of more of like a live update of what all they're working on and mm-hmm. and the newest kind of courses coming out. Okay, so is that at Fermentation School? The Fermentation School. On Instagram, The mm-hmm. Fermentation School. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Jessica. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Amanda. It's been really great talking to you too. Thanks, guys. And I second the recommendation on the black garlic mustard. That stuff is amazing. Stay with us. Coming up on our next segment, we talk about the best things we ate this week, and it wasn't just turkey, right after this. Hey, listeners. This is Christopher Wynn. I'm the arts and entertainment editor for the Dallas Morning News. And that, thankfully, includes the food team that you're listening to right now. What I love about this beat is that food stories are people stories. Restaurants say a lot about who we are, our culture, and the health and well-being of our communities. If you want to help continue supporting this good work, it's easy. Just subscribe to the Dallas Morning News and become a member. You'll find a special offer just for listeners at dallasnews.com listen. Hey everyone, I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving and ate lots of good stuff. We're back to talk now about the best things we ate, and some of it was Thanksgiving stuff and some of it wasn't. First, I will talk about the ham that I bought at Central Market. It had apricot and ginger glaze. It was lovely. Was this your Thanksgiving protein? Yes. No turkey in the bookie household? No. Cool. I prefer the ham. I love ham. I do too. Um, And I also bought this year, and I feel like I'm going to do that all the years. <laughs> and I think I'm also going to buy all the sides because everyone just loved the ham and they didn't even like any of the sides that I made. Wow. Yeah. That's so a stellar compliment <laughs> to the ham. I know. So is this something they have all the time or is it just seasonal? I don't know. That's a good question. I think this one was just seasonal. And I bet they still have it for Christmas or throughout December. Yeah. yeah. I highly recommend it. Did you um, have to order it far in advance? I ordered it maybe a week in advance, so it wasn't too bad. And so what about you guys? I had a good food week. So the day before Thanksgiving, went to resident Tuckeria in East Dallas and had this amazing, it's on their regular menu, their pork carnitas taco with pineapple. (gasps) I've talked about how I feel about hot pineapple before. You have. 
and this was wonderful. What and else was on the taco? Was it just like pork and pineapple? Or yeah, was so there- it was, yeah, it was the carnitas pork, a little bit of pineapple. Underneath was a really finely shredded cabbage. And then there were some sesame seeds and little crunchy things on top. Oh, it was very good. And then Thanksgiving food, honestly, my favorite bite was mashed potatoes with, this is not my term for this. This is a Bon Appetit recipe called Crispity Crunchities. Oh, yes. On top. Yeah. (laughs) On top of the mashed potatoes. It's like a mix of breadcrumbs and crunched up potato chips. I use panko crumbs and some herbs. You like toast it up and put them on top of mashed potatoes and it's great. Sounds delicious. It's a key textural moment. Sarah, what were what was some of your favorite foods this past week? Well, for Thanksgiving, I made a cranberry curd tart solely based on a picture that I saw on the internet and was like, it doesn't really matter if that tastes good. I want to make that and take a picture of it. Is and it then the if it tastes Times good, one? this is not no, the New York okay. Times one. It's America's Test Kitchen. And one of my girlfriends made the New York Times one. Mm-hmm. It has orange in with the cranberry. Mm. This one is just straight cranberry. So you cook some cranberries with water and sugar until they burst and sort of blister. And then uh, you take that cranberry curd and pulverize it and add a little bit of butter and then strain out the seeds so that you have a really beautiful, silky pie. And the one of the reasons why I made this, other than the incredible photo online, is that my mom is gluten-free and it has an almond flour crust that basically to me tasted like shortbread mm. with cranberry mm-hmm. curd in it. But it is this incredible color of raspberry. It looked good and it actually tasted really good too. So everyone liked this new dessert. Maybe I have a thing now. Maybe I don't, but. um, (laughs) It looked beautiful. Thanks. The photos that you shared. Thank you. And you, yeah, you make your own whipped cream and then you put some artful polka dots. So not an artistic person here, but I can like polka dot the top of a pie (laughs) if given a picture. And I did that and it looked good. I love it when you try a thing on the internet and it actually works. So that was my Thanksgiving thing that I really loved. However, the day before Thanksgiving might have been a better feast. My husband and I were running all around town that evening and we went to Loro and we wanted nothing that was going to be on the Thanksgiving table. So we ordered to share their salmon with cucumber yuzu broth and grilled zucchini, which sits on cashew sambal, like this just yummy, saucy stuff. I had a glass of white wine with it. And I was like, oh, if this was Thanksgiving day, that would be fine too. It was like just so light and beautiful and there were so many good moments in that meal and it was quite simple. Yeah. I love Loro for that reason. Yeah. yeah. Like it's always simple, but like complex in a way and yep. fresh. What about you, Julie? Loro was mine too. Because yeah. You um, went to Loro last week? Uh, yeah. We went to Loro Saturday night. I love that place. It's probably my favorite restaurant, but the pickled veggies, mm-hmm. I just love it so much. And that's all I want to eat right now are pickles or things with vinegar. And I'm so sick of Thanksgiving. But my other best thing is actually something I'm cooking tonight. It might be a little braggy, but I'm going to say it's this excellent, so easy purple cabbage soup recipe. Mm. It is just purple cabbage and broth and um, onion, but you put a little brown sugar and balsamic vinegar in it. So Mm. it makes it very sweet and sour. Everyone in my family, when I make it, it's like I'm serving donuts. Everyone gets so excited. And then it also, it's such a nice break from all the fatty, just blah, just stuff that I've been eating like all I want to eat is something like really clean so um, how gorgeous that your family goes crazy for a cabbage soup yeah (laughs) isn't that weird yes yes even my 15 year old daughter is so strange but yeah and you can even because I have a vegetarian too 
you can do it with veggie stock and it's really great, but she's gone. So we do it with chicken stock and it's much better. <laughs> but again, I don't know if I can say that something I make, but it's no, just so great when it's, great, when it's easy and it still tastes really good. Well, yeah. Now you have to share the recipe. With I everyone. will. I will. And I feel like next week we should talk about soups. Oh, I love soup. Yeah. Okay. This is a whole topic. Breakfast. Not just breakfast. Not soup. breakfast soup. <laughs> Specifically not breakfast soup. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> So I have one more thing that I ate that I really loved and I had forgotten how much I loved it because I haven't had it in a while, but it was always like my grandmother always had it. And I think I kind of mocked it back in the day because it sounded ridiculous. So it's basically just a block of cream cheese and then you take red pepper jelly and you just pour it over the cream cheese. Oh girl. Yes. Yes. Then you just get crackers, whatever cracker, Ritz cracker. A wheat thin. Oh, a wheat thin. I like wheat thins with it because it's, they're firm enough. Right. For the swiping. And. <laughs> you almost aggressive wiped. I know. I almost did. I, I stopped myself. Um, it's firm enough and it has a hard edge. So you get real good swipe. And man, it's the simplest appetizer. I absolutely love it. Even my kid loved it. Another good one is that raspberry chipotle comes in the jar. Yeah, so red pepper jelly or raspberry chipotle, a little bit of spice mixed with the creamy cold cheese. Is this a Southern thing? Like I I absolutely grew up eating this for every get together. I think it is. I kind of was researching a little bit before this and it's all over like Southern living. My husband makes one and he's a Chicago boy, but it's cream cheese and then you put cocktail sauce over the top and crab meat. Oh. And same thing where you swipe with the cracker, which sounds gross, but it's actually really, really good. Wow. So I've never heard that version. Cream cheese has a seat at my table every day. I think cream cheese goes in desserts, it goes in appetizers, it goes in it's certainly a breakfast food. Yeah. Just this past year, I've had just like a cream cheese renaissance. Like I also make the Cajun chicken pasta. Yeah, Mix a little cream cheese in that. Also make a white chicken chili um, with white beans and chicken and green chilies. Mix a little cream cheese in there mm-hmm. and it thickens it up and makes it super creamy. So I love cream cheese. Okay, so where are we at on Velveeta then? The taste is not my favorite. I honestly haven't used Velveeta in like a really, really long time. Like I'm not like anti Velveeta. I just, I don't think I know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Girl, you come to my house. <laughs> I can tell so, you what to do with it. So what do you do? I grew up. We had a little cabin in East Texas and my mom would make queso, just like a can of Rotel and a thing of Velveeta cheese. And I can see her walking down the hill with pot holders on her hands, holding the bowl because the bowl is hot because it's a bowl of hot cheese and the thing of Tostitos under her arm. And we didn't eat unhealthy food growing up. So this is like a really big deal. We'd be sitting down at the picnic table and my mom would walk down with queso and in our wet bathing suits, we would sit and eat that whole thing of queso. That's a wonderful memory, but I love queso and there are a lot of ways to make queso, including at restaurants where you can make it in beautiful and complicated ways. In my house, queso is made with Velveeta cheese and it's really darn good. And so do you do it like in the crock pot? Like a whole totally. We have we have four sizes of crock pots at my house. Actually, <laughs> I just realized when we moved. Um, but yes, queso in the crock pot, very good. But also a little bit of Velveeta cheese on top of your traditional green bean casserole. Ooh, a better option wow. than a shreddy cheese. It's just got a better, when it melts, it's all gooey and delicious. My husband's family makes all of their mac and cheese strictly with Velveeta. It's not how I make mine, but when they make it, I love it. So I think we have this whole stigma about Velveeta not being real food people's food. Right. And that's got to go. Yeah. Can you imagine just setting out a block of Velveeta? Like when you're entertaining, like Erin did with her cream cheese, just pepper <laughs> jelly on Velveeta. Right. I think that's the thing that deters me sometimes is the block of Velveeta because it's so huge. It's large. I bought it's one the other day and the receipt said Velveeta loaf. 
Yes, oh. exactly. <laughs> and that felt that did feel like shaming. That didn't that didn't feel good. It's also eight bucks. I mean, this is not inexpensive cheese. For all of us who think we are better than Velveeta, first of all, you are not. But second of all, it is not an inexpensive cheese. <laughs> right. It's almost like loaf could be added to the bad food word list. You know, <laughs> it's a great word. Teetering on it's the really edge. Yeah, word. it's a great way to to just cast some blame just in one four <laughs> right. four letter word. Just be like, yeah, we see you. Eating that Velveeta loaf. I mean, that's kind of what I call my dog when she's being very lazy. We call her dog loaf. Because she's she's like a rectangle. Yeah, she's she likes her snacks. I do too. And that's all the time we have for Eat Drink DFW this week. Thank you all for joining, and I hope we've made you hungry for more. We also want to hear from you, so share your food thoughts, favorite restaurants, or tasty recipes with us at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. The show is produced by Julie Fisk. To stay up to date on every episode of this show and hear more from our newsroom, just follow the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please rate the show and give us a good review. Find links to everything we do at dallasnews.com slash listen. You'll also find a special membership offer there just for listeners. For the news, I'm Aaron Bookie. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Eat, Drink, DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market. <laughs>